When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Side Hustle School community? This is Chris Gillibo with something special for you today. This is our monthly extended cut, a special episode all about a topic requested by you, the listeners. And today is extra special because the episode is how to recover from a disaster, specifically how to recover from a side hustle disaster. And when I say requested by the listeners, it's not like a ton of people have written in and said, hey, Chris, how do I recover from a side hustle disaster? But I have noticed some common themes that are very relevant to what I'm going to talk about today. I'm actually going to tell you a personal story. You'll hear about the biggest side hustle disaster of Chris Gillibo. And who knows, maybe we'll even pull some lessons from it as well. Before we do that, a quick look back at some of the other extended cuts we've had. I started this in the beginning of the year with the power of observation, all about how to understand what makes a viable idea, how to gain the skill for yourself. That was followed by nine starter platforms, nine different networks or websites you could go to and get started doing something right away. Then build a website in 90 minutes pretty self-explanatory. And the episode itself was not 90 minutes. I think that was just about 15. Month four, a simple marketing plan based on lots of requests for people trying to figure out how to get the word out about something. Then a lesson on how to choose between different ideas. Once you have this power of observation, ideas are rarely the problem. So how do you choose which one to pursue next? Which one is best for you at this time, this season of your life? Then I took you behind the scenes of a million dollar Etsy shop. We had a regular episode about that person, but I wanted to do a deeper dive and talk about why they were successful. How does someone go to making that much money, a million dollars on Etsy, when lots of other folks list things up and don't sell anything? That was a little bit of a dissection. And then last month, I talked about pricing your product or service. Um, I always get lots of questions about that. How do I decide what to price my new offer at? Well, I showed you a pretty basic, simple system that you can use. And if you haven't heard any of those episodes, or if any of them sound interesting to you, the links to all of them are at sidehustleschool.com slash extended. And you can listen right in your browser or download to your phone, computer, however you like to listen. So coming up today, as promised, how to recover from a disaster, specifically a side hustle disaster. We will jump into that right after the quick sponsor message. By the way, I just want to say thank you for supporting our sponsors. They allow the show to be free to you. So I love disaster stories because you can learn a lot. You can learn both from the disasters themselves and what you do afterwards or what somebody else does afterwards. And I think this is interesting because a lot of us have a fear of making mistakes and we allow this fear to hold us back. Maybe it holds us back from some huge life-changing thing. Maybe it holds us back from greatness, or maybe it just holds us back from getting started on a simple project, putting your first offer out into the world, creating a product or a service and offering it for sale. And from time to time, I think about this quote, which relates to luck. And the setup is something like, how do you get lucky? Or how do you become luckier, have more luck? And the quote is to be luckier, take more chances, right? Because luck is random, you can't influence it. But the more lottery tickets you have, the more likely you are to win the lottery. So as it relates to disasters, I don't necessarily think you should deliberately go out and court disaster. But it's interesting to think about different scenarios and ask yourself how you would respond, how you would recover if a true disaster occurred. 
So I'm going to tell you a personal story of mine, something that happened mostly outside my control, at least the first part of it was outside my control, and how I was able to recover from it. This happened about 10 years ago. I wrote about it in my first book, The Art of Nonconformity. And in terms of side hustling and entrepreneurship, as I was thinking about this topic, I realized this was an experience that really shaped how I thought about creating projects, what my strengths and weaknesses were, and also not to get too grandiose, but really my ability to survive, like my ability to survive and make it and thrive, uh, even in difficult situations. I'll also give you a few tips to help in your own disaster preparation. None of them involve buying cans of food and storing them in your basement. There are probably other podcasts for that. So the setting for this story is about 10 years ago when I was living on a hospital ship that was deployed mostly to Sierra Leone and Liberia, other countries in West Africa. And my day job, such as it was, uh, was as a volunteer aid worker as part of an organization that was bringing healthcare and relief and development to parts of that region that had just experienced civil war, had very limited resources of their own. And that was a wonderful life-changing experience that I could tell you about another time. But for the purposes of this story, during most of those years, which were a total of about four years, I continued to kind of raise money and pay the bills through moonlighting, basically doing side hustling. And I would work at night. I had a small office and would do all kinds of other stuff during the day related to the day job. And then in the evening, I would go and log on to this satellite internet connection that we had. And I had a little business working on Google AdWords accounts, doing some affiliate marketing. And then in my final year that I was there, I'd actually started a new business, a new information publishing business, basically selling ebooks and reports. And that little business started to take off. I had figured out a few different things and really hit on something that was working well. And that was great, but it was also kind of like a secret because like all my nonprofit colleagues that I was working with there on the ship, they had no idea I was doing this. Like I made sure it didn't interfere with my work, but I also kind of kept it to myself. And then also most of the people I was working with back in the States on the side business, all of this work was done virtually. So they had no idea I was in Freetown, Sierra Leone or Monrovia, Liberia. And once in a while, I'd get up for these conference calls that would take place at like three o'clock in the morning, my time. And people would be on the call and the organizer would say like, where's everybody calling in from? And and somebody would say, oh, I'm in Boston or I'm in Los Angeles. I'm in Toronto. And I just never spoke up. You know, I just kind of kept to myself. So anyway, it was all going pretty well. And uh, or at least I should say it was, it was all going well until it wasn't, which is kind of how a disaster works, right? And I should have had much more of a premonition about this. I should have actually had an awareness of this, but I didn't have much time to pay attention to this little business. So a few months prior, I had hired this fulfillment agency in the US. I think they were in Michigan to ship out these products, which were actually delivered on paper. Like not everything was sold digitally in this business. And I should have realized like, hey, I actually haven't had much communication from this company like in, in quite a while. Like this is, this is kind of weird. And also people are beginning to write in and ask like where their order is. But, you know, it's kind of in the back of my mind. So one day I come back from this long day. I've been out in a village driving a Land Rover around. I'm really tired. And I go into that small office and don't really have much energy to do anything. I'm thinking I'm just going to spend like, you know, half an hour I'm just going to respond to any urgent emails that I can, maybe do a couple of things to help me prepare for working you know, an hour the next morning before I went into my day job. But then as disasters tend to go, uh, and speaking of urgent emails, actually got an email that had the subject line, urgent update, which is never good, right? And I saw this was from my new fulfillment center, that company that I was so excited to hire and it was going to make my life so much better. And basically in their message, they said that they were going out of business. And in fact, not only were they going out of business, they'd actually already gone out of business. So instead of this being a heads up, which would be bad enough, 
it was more like an after the fact acknowledgement. And I remember the email said like, no more orders will be shipped. And I forgot exactly how he phrased it. But when you read between the lines, you realize not only will no more orders be shipping out, no orders in fact have shipped out for the past, I don't know, two weeks, three weeks, something like that. So there's all this backlog that I thought had been shipped and apparently hadn't. So not only did I have the problem of what to do next, I also had the problem of the backlog. Or I guess you could reverse that and say, not only did I have the problem of the backlog, I also had the problem of what to do next, like how to go forward. And so obviously I wasn't the only person affected by this decision. That fulfillment center worked for lots of clients. And 10 years ago, the internet wasn't as organized as it is now in terms of social networks and how people can communicate. But there still were places where people could gather who had something in common. So that email had actually gone out several hours earlier. I just hadn't seen it until I went into my little office. And so during that time, a number of other business owners who were affected by this had begun to gather and complain and commensurate and some of them to begin thinking about other solutions. But most of them weren't really talking about solutions. Most of them were just mad and they were expressing their anger and they were beyond mad, like they were pissed. And I'll talk about the practical steps. Like I'll I'll tell you what I did, but before I do that, I want to focus on something that I actually think is more important. I remember this time really well, because like I said, it was a defining moment for me, uh, at least in terms of side hustling and self-employment, working for myself. I remember reading those threads on whatever forum it was and seeing like all these people who were upset and completely identifying with their feelings. I remember thinking, yeah, like I'm pretty upset too. Like this is a pretty awful thing. And I also remember feeling overwhelmed and kind of like, what in the world am I going to do? Because I've got like, this is not even my full-time thing. And here I am like thousands of miles away, et cetera. But I can also tell you completely truthfully, but I had this other feeling and it was this odd sensation of peace or this calm of like not being that worried, like being frustrated, feeling let down, being angry, et cetera, also feeling overwhelmed. But I guess I had kind of the premonition that everything was going to be okay. And I remember, you know, sitting down to write a list, which I'll I'll talk to you about in a second, because I think writing a list is always a good thing in these situations. But I remember sitting down and writing a list and like, how can I solve this? How can I solve this problem? What, you know, what can I do about this aspect of it? And even as I wrote this list, I kept thinking to myself, you know what? This really sucks. This is really bad, but I'm going to get through it. And I actually believe that, you know, on the other side, even though I'm not going to be thankful for this experience, it's not like I would have wished for it to have happened. Somehow I'm going to pull something out and somehow I'm going to actually make this better in the long term. That was a really good feeling. But of course, I still had a lot of work to do. And so I got to work. I was like, okay, how can I fix the problem of the back inventory? Well, I used my satellite connection to call back home to my brother, who had first helped with some other stuff I'd done more than five years earlier, but now he had his own career. He was working in the military. And I remember saying, Ken, like, hey, I'm going to need some help. And my plan was for him, you know, if he was up for it, to sign up as my temporary one-man fulfillment center while I worked out a long-term solution. And thankfully, he was up for the task. So next, I called my printer to see if we could rush some supplies. Then I called or emailed three new fulfillment centers. I don't know if I did all of that that same night, but it was very quickly afterwards. And basically, like, you know, over the next 10 days, I was able to replace something like $15,000 worth of product and found a new supplier that was rapidly trying to accommodate a bunch of refugee clients from that failed fulfillment center. And basically, it all worked out. Like, it was definitely a hassle. It was stressful. It cost some money. I still felt bad that I didn't see it coming. But honestly, in the end, the situation I took away from it was not one of frustration, or at least let's say it was more one of empowerment than of frustration. Like I said, I still wish it hadn't happened, but um, I was glad that I could get through it. And it kind of gave me this belief that, you know, it has sustained me since that, you know, things can go wrong and 
you might even go out of business or your fulfillment center might go out of business, but there's got to be some way you can, you can recover. There's got to be something you can do about it. And so I tell you this story because ultimately what I hope Side Hustle School will help you with is two things. It's one, confidence, the idea that you can do this. Like if you've tried this before and it hasn't worked, you just might need to try in a different way. Or if you've been thinking about this but haven't taken the steps, well, you should take the steps because you're probably not going to have a disaster like this because you're probably not working from West Africa on a hospital ship with a satellite internet connection. But for whatever disaster you encounter, there's going to be a way for you to find your way back too. And the other thing that I hope Side Hustle School will provide you is the tools in which to go out and do that. The tools to go out and get started, the tools to know what to do next, the tools to know how to recover when something doesn't work out, pretty much everything that you need to create the kind of success that you want. And so speaking of tools and practical steps, here are four of them for you. When disaster strikes, number one, triage. I think triage is a fancy word for prioritize. Separate all the other stuff from what absolutely needs to happen. It can be really overwhelming to think about the 20 different aspects to the problem. There are probably three of those aspects that are the most critical of all. So identify those three aspects or whatever it is and tackle those problems first. Second, make a list. Don't try to keep all of this in your head. Write down immediate actions. Write down your biggest concern. Write down your biggest fear. If you're starting to think about solutions, write those down. Write down a list of people you can talk to or maybe someone who can help. Like in my disaster story, my brother was able to help me out. And then my printer was able to help me out. So whatever you can think about, make a list. Third, make a recovery plan. And in this case, when I say recovery, I don't mean for you. I mean, if other people have been adversely impacted by this disaster, like your clients or your customers, or your partners, or your suppliers, or whoever it is, um, ask yourself how you can rebuild those relationships. And and try to identify a couple of practical action steps that you can take uh, to begin to repair that relationship. Probably one of them is just honest and open communication, like writing and saying like, hey, we screwed up, or this thing happened, and it was outside of our control, but here's what we're going to do to fix it. Or maybe we're not even sure how we're going to fix it, but we are going to fix it. So just kind of building and maintaining that trust. And last, number four, make a getting back on track plan. And this is your plan to move forward. This is your plan, not just to solve the problem, but to be better afterwards than you were before. And this is your chance to turn that disaster into an opportunity. Just to restate, because I think this is important, it doesn't mean that you would have wished for that disaster. But since you can't control it, and here it is, the disaster has showed up, use it as an opportunity to do something better. So just like this week on the show, I believe it was episode 241, we had the story of the woman who was making alternative ketchups, like ketchups made out of fruit. And everything was going well. She was making a couple thousand dollars a month. People were interested in the products. People liked them. But then she received a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. And she realized she needed to make some changes in her life. So this was kind of a disaster that just showed up. And I loved what she did because she didn't just make those changes for herself. Like she needed to do that first and foremost for her life, for her lifestyle, for her family. But she also made changes in her side hustle. And she completely changed her recipes to make them sugar-free and began marketing to other diabetics, uh, to people pursuing the paleo or Whole30 diets or other specialized diets. And really interestingly, the sales doubled to $5,000 a month. So it was a good decision, not just for her lifestyle, but for her side hustle to make that kind of wholesale change. And I like wrapping us up with that story because it doesn't mean that your story will develop just like that. You might have a totally different disaster or just a big challenge roadblock. But I do think opportunities present room for growth. And so when one of them shows up, you might as well ask, how can I not just resolve this, overcome this obstacle, survive this disaster, but how can I use this to create my own defining moment? I wasn't in control of what happened to this point, but going forward, what am I going to do? What kind of influence am I going to use? How am I going to affect the situation? 
I could choose to remain stuck, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to choose to move forward. Friends and listeners, this extended cut was a bit different than some of the others. Let me know if you like it or if you have a disaster story of your own to share. I would love to share some of those with the rest of our community. And by the way, you might not actually encounter a disaster through your side hustling career. Maybe everything will go just fine. It's a very possible path to consider as well. But if disaster strikes, I want you to be prepared and I want you to know you can make it. Thank you for listening. Once more, I'm Chris Guillebeau. I make this show for you. Much more is on the way.